Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. Friday edition of Orange Nation. We are brought to you in part by Dunn Tire. You know the number by now, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to join in, we have our, our two normal Friday guests, uh, Patrick Beeline, set to join us at 1245, LeMoyne head coach. We'll talk some LeMoyne basketball with Coach Beeline. And then at 115, my most stressful segment every week, Kevin have Todd, you made your our picks? Vegas in, insider. I have not I have not even looked at the lines for this week. Uh I still don't know how. I, didn't I go one one and one last week? Is that right, or did I go two and I one? I think you did better than one one and one. I was either two and one. I, I couldn't remember the line of the Packers game if it was five or six. Did I beat him last week? Because I was up going into the week. Do we do we know that at this point? I I, I realize I'm putting you. You beat him. I'm putting yeah. you on the spot to start the yeah. show, but you had at least two wins. What the okay, Steelers then I was two and one. By? I was two and one then. Steelers uh, ended up winning by three, right? So you were two and one. Two and one. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember the Packers line. Okay. Two and one. I'll take it. And I was up by a game, I think, at least uh, going into last week. So You uh, got lucky on the Packers game. I they did. Were, they were minus three, and then they had that screen pass. Oh, it was minus pass, three. Okay. And then they had that screen pass touchdown. Scored a touchdown in overtime. When they were just kind of ready to ready to kick the field goal to to, to win the game. So that I would have tied. tied. Right. Yeah. So let, let's be honest. The Packers shouldn't even have won that game. And then it goes into overtime. Right. And then they uh, they win by six and cover. So I had already marked. I'd already marked that down as a loss for you. Good. Good. Two and one. I'll take it. And he was what? One and two? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Nice little cushion. I can't remember what the Seahawks final was from last week. So All right. Well, we've got, we've got an hour. That's okay. We've got an hour to figure it out. I feel better about myself now that I went, uh, that I went two and one. A uh, couple of football nuggets to start the show with, Seth, and then we'll get down to business with, with Syracuse Georgetown. Uh, I don't know if you saw this yesterday. The report's out. Uh, Sean Lewis, SU's co-offensive coordinator, uh, reportedly a strong candidate for the head coaching job at Kent State. So we'll have to see how that uh, whole thing shakes out. Yeah, found that interesting. Uh, you know, I, I expected at some point for assistance to uh, be on the move. I don't know that I expected that soon. Uh, you know, coming off two, four, and eight years, and and seeing how that worked, but uh, you know, good for Sean Lewis, right? If if he if he is really getting that kind of interest and and you know, close for that job, good for Sean Lewis. Hard to argue with the results, right? I mean, you yeah. see the numbers that this offense puts up uh, year in and year out, and and wherever it is, Eastern Illinois or Bowling Green or Syracuse, I mean, this this offense works, and Sean Lewis has been following Dino Babers every step of the way, and uh, again, at some point, offers are going to come when you have success. Uh, on that side of the ball, and uh, and apparently Kent State very interested in Sean Lewis. Uh, the other piece of football news, uh, Stevie Scott, star running back at Christian Brothers Academy, had been verbally committed to Rutgers late last night. He decommitted from Rutgers on social media, took to Twitter, and, and said that he was going to decommit from Rutgers, and that 
today he would announce where he was uh, heading. And, uh, now, is he SU a target? He announced, well, that was uh, one of the teams in the mix when he picked. He had like 12 or 15 offers. Syracuse was one of the, the schools that he was picking between when he chose Rutgers the first time around. Uh, he has uh, just recently today, again, released on Twitter uh, that he will attend Indiana, which, again, why is that significant? That's where Mike Hart is. Mike yeah. Hart is now the running backs coach at Indiana. So the... Uh, the announcement on Twitter made today, but again, that's just a verbal commitment. He can put it in writing uh, next Wednesday uh, during the early signing period. And as we spoke with Mike McAllister about earlier in the week, something new this year that they're doing for high school seniors, for football players, you you now have this opportunity two months ahead of time, essentially, or a month and a half ahead of time uh, to make it official. And Stevie Scott... We did get confirmation from Christian Brothers Academy. We'll sign next Wednesday. Obviously, the school not saying where he's going, but Stevie Scott saying today that he will attend Indiana, not Rutgers. Yeah, you know, I look, I, I think we've talked about this before, and I don't know the coaching staff's thoughts. I don't know their inner thinking. Uh, but wouldn't you think that you would like to keep a Division One caliber player from your area in your backyard? Absolutely. And they right? were interested. And, I, right. I know they so, were interested. So, I, I look, and again, I'm not going to claim to know their level of interest, but the fact that they offered and, and the fact that they were, you know, on that list, um, it, it just makes me wonder. Uh, you know, it, it makes you wonder because, you know, they, they got uh, the, the kid from Baldwinsville. I'm blanking on his name right now. But the, the tight Game end. Horan? Yes. Yep. He's going to be sticking around. He's going to be coming to SU. Uh, you know, it seems like if you've got a D1 caliber player in your backyard, you want to stick with him and, and keep him. And, uh, when you said Baldwinsville, I was thinking running back. I was thinking Tyler Rouse, and I, I knew that's not no, who you were talking about. No. But yes, Gabe Horan, the uh, yeah. the tight end, is uh, is coming And to he'll Syracuse. be in the Dome next year. And, right. and so it seems like, you know, okay, well, they couldn't get Stevie Scott, but that seems like exactly the kind of player that you would want to keep. So let's get on to the the main course, the uh, you know the the significant uh, headline from this weekend. Of course, that's that Syracuse Georgetown team leaving today, and it's it's been a week now since Syracuse last played. And and you surprised me, Seth, because I came in here today and we talked about how we were going to start the show and and said you know let's talk a, a lot of Syracuse Georgetown here in the first hour. And you said, well, the game's not even that interesting. They should win by a lot, right? Or win comfortably. I think they should. And my response to you was. Is this team going to do anything easy? Is is anything going to come easy? Is anything going to be comfortable for this team this year? Fair. And so, do I think Syracuse is going to win? Yeah, I do. I think I think Syracuse is a better team. We we really don't know much about Georgetown, but what I've seen out of SU, the fact that you know they beat UConn in a close game, they beat Maryland in a close game, they fought back against Kansas, didn't have enough in that game. Um, but can they go down to Georgetown and 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 beat a team that I think they're better than? Yeah, they can. I do not expect this to be a, a blowout, quote-unquote, by any means, or a lopsided win. I don't think it's going to be a double-digit win. I'm not sure how many teams Syracuse, from here on out, is going to beat by double figures. So, I don't know. That kind of surprised me. I said, what, you know, what do you think the line is? The line is not out yet, by the way. I said about 6.5. Max said 8.5. And, and I know you're not predicting the line yeah. to be double digits, but you think Syracuse is going to win by double figures. I, I found do. that interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, look, why, why can't this game be... You know, like the Colgate game, where you kind of keep them at arm's length the whole time. You know, or, or the UConn game, where you keep them at arm's length the whole time, uh, and, and you end up winning by double digits. I, I see no reason why it can't be the same as those two games. Uh, you know, the, we know nothing about Georgetown. We don't know if they're good, right? They're eight and zero, but we don't know if they're actually a good team. Um, and you know, we've seen this Syracuse team go beat Maryland in a close game. 
go play Kansas and, you know, at, at, at times look like they could have won that game and, and really belonged on the court with that Kansas Jayhawks team. We saw them go to a neutral site and be able to hold off and stave off UConn, who, you know, not a great team, but I think UConn's probably a better team than Georgetown. Uh, you know, so I, I think that we've seen this Syracuse team prove itself enough times early in the non-conference that I would say going down to Washington, D.C., given that we know nothing about this Georgetown team and we don't know how good they really are, I think that this should be a game that they win and are able to win rather easily, right? I mean, does that mean 10? Does that mean 12? Does that mean 15? I don't know what the final number ends up being, but I don't think it's a game that you should feel worried about. I don't think it should be a game that's back and forth like the Maryland game the other, a couple weeks ago. There are two things about this matchup that concern me when I look at, at Georgetown. And you're right, we don't know a ton about them. They have not played quality competition at all. Statistically, the easiest schedule to date. They score 82 points per game. Now, that can be inflated again by the opponent. The number that, to some degree, I, I don't think is inflated is the fact that they're shooting better than 39% from three-point range. The three-point line is the three-point line, and you either have sure. guys who can make that shot or you don't. And the fact that, that as a team, they're knocking down better than 39% from three-point range, and they've got really four guys that that can light you up from downtown, to me, that's a little bit of a concern. Now... You know, we saw with with Kansas, for instance. You know, Kansas can can hit the outside shot. SU zone at times gave them gave them some issues. Not Devontae Graham, but everybody else. Syracuse, and where was and where was Devontae Graham and top Kevin, of the key? And where were Kevin and where was Kevin Herter hitting from? And, and I don't just mean top of the key, but they deep. were they were deep. Yes, you know they they were not towing the line. They were not on the three point arc. And and again. We don't know what Georgetown shooters will do. Are they that same kind of, hey, we'll pull from 20, 24, 25 feet? Or are they going to be towing the line? I think that there's also a difference between Syracuse's defense and Maine's defense. Absolutely. You know, you know so, so I understand what you're saying by the three-point line is the three-point line, but I, I would imagine that Syracuse defends the three-point line better than North Carolina A&T. Yes, it's more difficult to hit a three with a hand in your face than if it's a wide-open look and you have time to set up. I totally get that. My point is, is that it's not just one or two guys. They have a handful that they can put out there, and we know one of the two things that give the zone trouble. It's a lot of perimeter shooters and it's somebody who can attack you from the high post. So the number one thing that concerns me about Georgetown, which you don't expect, you expect Georgetown, like in years past, you think of Georgetown, you think of physical, you think of a, of a tough rebounding team, you think of a team that's going to get after you defensively, and all those things are true. And Georgetown has you know, that plus 11 you know, rebounding margin this year, fifth in the country, and SU is right ahead of them at, at, at number four. And some of that might be skewed. Again, that stack could be skewed based on the opponents that they've played. But, but the one that I think might be true to form is the fact that they're a pretty good outside shooting team. So that, that's number one that concerns me. Number, the, the second thing that concerns me about this matchup, and I know you've alluded to it all week, and I don't think we can just gloss over and that's the presence of Jesse Govan down low. Yeah. Now, we think Barama Sidibe is going to play, um, but we don't know. We don't know how healthy he's going to be. He obviously sat out against Colgate. If it is just Pascal Chuku in the middle, 
That concerns me if I'm an SU fan, that Govan is so big, so strong, they go to him so much. I mean, he's averaging 20.5 points per game, 13 rebounds per game. He is Georgetown's Tyus Battle, but he is not built like Tyus Battle. He is he is a load down low. Right. And if if it's just Pascal Chuku in the middle, or Pascal Chuku and Merrick Dolajai, for instance, if Barama can't play or if Barama is limited... That concerns me because of the potential for foul trouble. Yeah, I, I said that. Uh, I said that yesterday, right? Yes. I, I think that if if Barama Sidibe doesn't play, and it's weird to to say, hey, if the if the backup center's not on the court, uh, but if Barama Sidibe does not play, I think that the Orange is in for a much longer afternoon in Washington than if he does, because I, I just again I don't know if Marek Dolzhai can can stand up in the middle of that zone defense against here a and big there. Player. I think he'll be fine. Exactly, but not for twenty five minutes. And I don't. I, I'm not saying he needs to play twenty five minutes in the middle of that zone. He played eight against uh, Colgate the other night. Right, Pascal Truku was able to stay out of foul in trouble in the last four against UConn, and, and right. they got by with it. Right, but it's different against uh, yes. a Jesse Govan than than either team Colgate or UConn no had in the middle. So I'm curious to see, one, if Pascal Chukwu can stay out of foul trouble in that kind of a game, and two, if he doesn't and Barama Sidibe is not healthy, how does Marek Dolzhai do? How does he handle a big guy in the middle of that, in the middle of the court there? Um, because we've been asking the question all year, how are how is this team going to handle size, right? Because Merrick isn't isn't that big, Pascal while tall isn't big. Uh, how are they going to handle size? And I think that we'll get that t- uh, this week. You know, we saw that a little bit against Maryland, right? Bruno Fernando had a pretty good game against this SU team. Uh, only played in about 19 minutes, but had 13 points. Played pretty well. We'll see that again tomorrow. Will they be able to contain Jesse Govan? And I think that's a really important thing because if they can contain him and they can just let him, you know, get what he normally gets as opposed to going off, right? How many times have we seen the random player on the other team who goes off? And for Georgetown, recently, it's been their big man. And I would prefer, if I'm Syracuse, that a guy who makes twos, that he goes off, opposed to a guy who makes threes. So I'm not as concerned about him scoring. I'm more concerned about Pascal Chuku staying in the game and staying out of foul trouble. And I I made the point that Jesse Govan is to Georgetown what Tyus Battle is to Syracuse. The Hoyas have played eight games this year. Jesse Govan has led them in scoring five times. He's led them in rebounding seven times. He he is their go-to guy. And it, and not even I'm not even talking about limiting him and his touches. I'm just talking about you know not letting him go for thirty and keeping Pascal Chuku in the game so he can be a defensive presence and still be the shot blocker and 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 you know get on the glass and everything that he does. They need him in the game in order to do that. So that's why I'm concerned about this matchup. Yes, I think Syracuse is going to win. I think Syracuse is better. But if I'm an SU fan, I'm a little cautious, maybe a little more cautious than than you're being. You say, you know, I think they should win by double figures. I think the three-point shooting, the combination of that with Jesse Govan and the potential for Pascal Chuku getting in foul trouble gives me a little, you know, cause for trouble, concern. Look, the foul trouble is going to be the biggest thing. It, it doesn't matter if Sidibe is playing or not. You know, it's, it's more important if Sidibe is not playing. Right. But either way, you can't get into foul trouble. And I know that we've looked at it for for this whole you know early non-conference schedule and said, hey, they're one guy. Use your 10 fouls liberally. Uh, you're going to need them on Saturday, right? You're going to need them tomorrow. Uh, so I, I don't know that you could just say, hey, you know, 
if foul trouble doesn't matter because this team has a guy down low. You know, this is going to be like it, uh, you know, a, a test, so to speak, because it's going to be the same when you play Duke, the same when you play UNC and, and, and other teams that have guys down low who can do some things. You need to stay out of foul trouble. Just because you have 10 fouls to use between the two of them over 40 minutes doesn't mean you should use all of them. 315-437-7644 to the phone lines. We go John in Syracuse kicking us off today on Orange Nation. Hey, John. Hi, Steve. I thought I heard you say you thought Syracuse would be a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I, th- that's my guess. I, I haven't seen the official line yet. I'm not sure there's an I official either, line up. But I, w- I would guess, I think Georgetown will be favored by a couple. I, I don't Why? think so. I, I, I don't think so. They're at home. The game means more. And uh, Syracuse doesn't have enough guys to go to to score. And I think Georgetown will be favored by a couple. All right. And and, and maybe. And you, the, the fact that it's a true road game for Syracuse, obviously it's going to skew the line. They say what? They say a three-point swing, four-point swing, depending on where you're playing. So yeah. I guess it's possible. When I look at this game, and, I, and you know, Seth and I were talking about who's going to win – to me, it feels like SU wins by a few possessions. I guess it was was the point that I was trying to get at. So I feel um, more. I, I, feel I think like SU. More than that, I think yeah. SU is going to be a slim favorite. But you know, would I be shocked if Georgetown was a slim favorite? The fact that you know they're eight zero and it's a home game. I guess it wouldn't be shocked. I think Syracuse should be a slim favorite going into this game. To me, it feels like a game the Orange wins by a few possessions. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I said it at the beginning. I, I think that this is a game where Syracuse should be able to keep this team at arm's length. Syracuse should not, you know, be in a dogfight down the stretch. And and I think that they should be able to win this game by 8, 10, 12, 15 points. All right. What do we think about this? 315-437-7644. Who do you have and why? It's uh, Syracuse-Georgetown. 12.30 tip tomorrow down in D.C. We do need to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Drivers Village, 315-437-7644. Phone lines open for the next 20 minutes or so, and then we'll bring on Patrick Beeline, the Moyne head coach, at 1245. Kevin Totter, Vegas Insider, joins us uh, at 115. As we were coming back there, I almost said Stephen Sal. And and I, I think was, the reason you know, I've been waiting for you to do it, and I have I've been very you good. haven't. It's but been like I, three months, and I I've been waiting for you. Almost just slipped there, and the reason I think that I almost slipped is that we're talking during the break, and you're like, I'm so over this game. Like I'm not excited about Syracuse George. Like that <laughs> that was like Sal to a T. Like everything was just yeah, you know, know miserable, know. and he just uh, not interested in this game at all. You really you you are over Syracuse Georgetown. Like you don't I care think, about this game. I think we've had too much time to talk about it. Are you more it. excited about Syracuse St. Bonaventure than Syracuse no, Georgetown? Uh, so you're not going to get excited way, again until the ACC? In a way, I am more excited about Bonaventure. Why? Uh, it'll be a better game, and it's here. Do you um, know, I think you, we've, you no, know I think it's going to be a better game? I think Bonaventure's a better team. That's probably fair. It's a road game, though. It's Syracuse Georgetown. No, I know it's Syracuse Georgetown. I, I think Georgetown this thing is going to be. I, th- I think this game is going to be a lot closer than you're making it look, out to. It's Syracuse Georgetown. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I, and I, I I like that they keep doing this. But I don't know. We've had a lot of time to talk about it, and there, there's just so much I could talk about. I I just I don't know. I I, I know. I, I feel like I know nothing about this Georgetown team. I have no idea if they're good. I have no idea how you know if they're bad. 
I don't know if the shooting numbers are legit because of the teams that they're playing. I don't know if Jesse Govan's numbers are legit because of the teams they're playing. I, I just I don't know anything about this team, and it, it's clearly lost some luster from you know forget three years ago, four years ago. It feels like it's lost something from uh, you know last year and the previous year, and and there were stories going into each of those two games, and there's this year too. Uh, you know, two years ago we found out the night before that that Jim Beheim wasn't going to coach, right? And, we, and last year we knew we had Pearl Day. Uh, you know, and this year it's Patrick Ewing, and, and it feels like there's stories there, but it's just, I, I don't know. I don't feel anything about this game. I, I feel no connection to Syracuse-Georgetown whatsoever this year. Uh, I, I, I don't know what it is. It feels like the Georgetown fans are way more into it than the Syracuse fans from what I'm seeing on, on social media. Uh, I, I just I don't know I I I feel like it's I don't want to say it's run its course but it it feels like there's just something missing and you know I I hinted at it yesterday if you really want to get this thing to quote unquote be a big deal again you gotta change something because this isn't doing it for me <laughs> playing on December fifteenth isn't doing it for oh, me oh you're cracking me up uh, I got I I need this game in February let's hope that the players are are have a little bit of a different mindset than you because I don't think like if you're Syracuse you cannot look past Georgetown in any way shape or form this is a pretty big game on the schedule right now right I mean it keeps you on pace for everything we talked about with the non-conference schedule let me ask you this if Syracuse loses this game tomorrow is that a bad loss in your mind well, Georgetown's one ninety six in the country, so yes, they'd be nine and zero. They're going to be eleven and zero because then they play North Texas and Alabama A right. and M. So if Syracuse loses this game, and again, and I, still I don't know, played the worst. Co- at the, the end of the day, right. I, I don't know, you know, what this Georgetown team's going to do. But they're going to be eleven and zero, and and they're certainly if they beat Syracuse and they're eleven and zero, they're going to start getting serious votes for top twenty five and all that. So you would look at this as a bad loss if SU loses this I th- game. I think so, and and I know the RPI is flawed, like. I throw that out there. I know the RPI is flawed, and we hate the RPI, and there's a reason why they're getting rid of it. Uh, but this team right now is 8-0 and still 197th in the country in RPI. You know, like, I, I, I think that's really telling. I, I really do. I think that's really telling that even with their great record, even with their undefeated season, they're still uh, just barely a plus 200 team. They've played seven home games, one on the road. The one on the road, they were lucky to survive, beat Richmond 82-76. And they've had some trouble in the games at home as well. Uh, Hung on to beat North Carolina A&T down the stretch. That was a close game. Um, They haven't been tested other than that Richmond game. They weren't really in danger of losing the North Carolina A&T game. I would hope not. Right. But, I mean, it was was still a (laughs) single-digit game. Um, I hope they are. They... um, and I, I get where you're coming from. I just if they win this game, they're going to be 11 and 0. They're going to be getting you know receiving votes uh, certainly in, in the top 25. And well, at 11 and 0 with a win over Syracuse. I, listen, I don't think we're going to have to talk about it. Right. I think Syracuse is going to win this game. I think Syracuse is better. Just I don't know your your whole approach to this though. Just, it just I, it surprises me because I'm just not interested. Look, I love the history. I'm I'm a sports nerd. I'm a sports geek. I'm a I'm a sports history nerd to to the the largest extent. Right. I I love everything about the history. I love that you know we we've got this picture up here of the old Yankee Stadium. I could rattle through Yankee history like it's nothing. You know I I love the the hearing the stories of of Patrick Ewing coming to the dome. I love watching the that Big East thirty for thirty and hearing the stories about Patrick saying he was glad he didn't connect on the punch to Pearl because he didn't know what would happen. You know I I love hearing these stories and I love the history, but it's gone. 
It's gone. It's history. It's behind us. Like it, like th- this this game that that should rile that up. This game that should bring that all back isn't. My my point is this though, Seth. Does does that matter? Like, but why else this, are you playing this game th- if not for that? But this game tomorrow, can you not appreciate the fact that rivalry aside, and the fact that it's Georgetown on the front of the jersey, can you not appreciate the fact that this is a significant game for Syracuse in terms of its non-conference resume? But is it? It is. Why? It's, it, it's a, it's a true it's road, a true game. road it's game. It's the only one. But Steve, if they didn't have Georgetown across the front of your jer- of their jersey, you're not playing this game. If but say you're it was St. John's. Go- you're not Can going you not- on the road to play a, a barely top 200 team in the country. Can, if it's St. John's. It, but wouldn't that- we be talking about the same thing? You're playing that for nostalgia's sake. My my point is this though. Forget the forget the nostalgia, forget the, you know, requiem for the Big East. This game tomorrow on this schedule, regardless of what Georgetown's RPI is, do you not appreciate the fact that this is a significant game for it is the only true road game they have on their non-conference schedule. This is a significant game that that Syracuse needs to win. Yes, they need to win it because it's a road game against a barely top 200 team and and again, I don't think you're scheduling this game if not for having Georgetown across their chest. You schedule years in advance, though. Right. But I if, mean, could you have But you projected, don't have to in basketball. Could, when, when was the Cornell and the Colgate and the Eastern Michigan and, and the St. Bonaventure games announced? They were announced over the summer. So, so would you want, when they realized Georgetown wasn't going to be good, you want them to back out of the game? No, they had already agreed to it. They have to play it. Right. So, I mean, if you have to play it, then go play it and go win it, is my yes. point. And I feel like you're you're over it. You're chalking it up to a win. I am. I'm over it. Go I'm, Exactly what you just said. You have to play this game. Go win. Like, this... It, it, I think it's a dangerous spot. I really do. I, and I'm not just saying that to take the other side and to have, you know, good sports talk radio, quote unquote. I think this is a dangerous game for a lot of reasons. And it has nothing to do with the rivalry and the nostalgia. This team is 8 0. And again, they've played nobody, but they can rebound. They can match strength. But do we for, know? They can match strength. Do we know, for that, strength. They can, do we know that they They're can? They're big. And, and I mean, listen. They're big enough that they that they've had a plus eleven rebounding margin. Okay, now are they as good on the backboards as Syracuse? I don't know about that, but they do have size. So theoretically, they can match strength for strength. They can also put a strength against SU's weakness, which is they can surround the perimeter with with shooters and take advantage of one of SU's potential weaknesses. So all I'm saying is, yes, I think SU is better. Yes, I think SU should win. I think this is a dangerous game for the Orange. I mean, I, again, it could be. I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what this Georgetown team is. And we could sit and say, hey, they they, they rebound well. Okay, but they, they played bad te- You know, they, they played Berset, teams that they're bigger than. Matthew Syracuse Moyer. Syracuse at least has had a test in Kansas, Merrick in Maryland, Dolezal. in UConn. First road game for all these guys. Yes. There is something to be said for that. There is. And I'm, I'm glad it's against a mediocre okay. to bad team. Fair enough. And if listen, if they blow them out and win by twenty, they're not. See, they're not winning this game by twenty because that's, they are that's not what SU is. They're, I don't think they they're are. They're not going to blow anyone out. I think that this is going to be a game very much like last Saturday's game against Colgate or like Tuesday night's game I against UConn. Right. I hope you're right. It's at arm's length the whole time. It's at somewhere between eight and twelve points the entire time. You end up winning by fourteen or fifteen because you got sent to the free throw line, and that's the ball game. All right. I, I hope you're right. I don't see it playing out like that. I think this is going to be a. a you know, few possession game the entire way. I do think Syracuse wins. I think it's a dangerous spot, though, for the Orange. 315-437-7644. Got to take another timeout back after this on ESPN Radio. Home of the Syracuse Crunch. Mitchell Stevens across. Here's a shot. Score! 
Marvin Lynch ties the game. Ackerson left side, shoots, he scores! Picked off by another, Pekka takes it for Lynch who shoots, he scores! Kevin Lynch with 103 to go in the third period gives the Crunch its first lead. It's 3 to 2. ESPN 97.7, 100.1, 1200 and 1440 AM. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Setback with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Charles Heating and Air, 315-437-7644. Daniel Baldwin happened to pop his head in the studio, uh, Seth, during our, our time out there. Uh, he was listening to us uh, talk and speculate about the line. Uh, he called somebody he knows in Vegas, and, and apparently the line is uh, seven and a half. There you go. Uh, so right between me and Max. We were right there. Max said eight and a half. I said six and yeah. a half. That felt about right. Uh, so again... Uh, Preliminary thoughts, anyway, or the early line, uh, according to Daniel, is uh, is seven and a half. So thank you to him for for checking on that uh, for us. And speaking of Max Burgandy, our famous producer, hardest working man in sports radio, uh, he has uh, joined us here in the studio now. What's up, Max? We were pretty uh, pretty spot on with that line. Maybe we should reconsider our day jobs. We should. Come uh, We makers. should go back to John for for more lines. Eh, I'll pass. <laughs> All right, well, we've been talking about Syracuse-Georgetown for what feels like forever because there's been absolutely nothing else going on this week Syracuse-related. So I wanted to get your guys' minds off of it a little bit and just throw a bunch of random You wanted to step in because things got heated there towards the end of the last segment. I was so you a little wanted, worried, you and that's why I didn't, I didn't pop my head in in the break because I wasn't sure All right. if you I was going to need to sure break up we a fight. Right? Yeah, okay. I don't know. I was going to let you guys work that one out on your own. So I'm here for a little bit of relief. You can say okay. What do you? And I got? still see Steve scowling at Seth. No, I'm all right. No, it's it's not personal. We just we just don't dis- we just don't agree on this, but that's okay. I, we both think Syracuse is going to win. All's good. Let's go. All right. So this is just going to be completely random things. Fair warning. So is there more pressure on to perform on Shoni Otani or Lonzo Ball? Lonzo Ball. Not even close. How is it not even close? It's not even close. How? Not even close. It's not How? even close. How is that not close? Basketball has a large one. Basketball has a larger platform than baseball. Two, uh, Shohei Otani doesn't have as loud and brash a voice saying he's take his father as out good. of it and just assume no, that he's the number two. Pick. You can't. Can you can't not? take you can't. his father out of it. That that is That's a big the reason. Story. That is a big reason why there's That's so the much more pressure. That's the only reason he has expectations and pressure on him. He was the second overall pick in the draft. All yeah, arguably but, should have been number one. No, had but he, no, it, it, no. The, the pressure and the expectations are on him because of everything his dad said. Yes. You're going to sit here with a straight face and say that there would have been zero pressure on him coming out of the draft. Was there, the was, there, pick. was there pressure on, on Jason Tatum, who was number three? It, that's a great point. I mean, that is a great analogy, Seth. I mean, that that is that's spot on. I mean, that is why he, he was hyped so much. And whether it's his own fault or his dad's fault, it doesn't matter. There is so much hype on him to perform. And, and Lavar is in your face constantly. But there's people comparing this guy to Babe Ruth for simple. Number well, one, he's injured. Number two, he's he's not making very much money in no. the grand scheme of things. He's what making does money he's have to do with and it. And he's playing for. 
He's making the major league minimum. Said, if, you're the, and if you're the highest paid player I said in a pressure to perform, this guy's been making headlines for six months now. How can you say that money has nothing to do with it? For a professional athlete, like if you're getting paid $30 million, do, do you think Ronaldo has pressure to perform? And li- Alex mean, Rodriguez has admitted that he took steroids after starting that new contract because he was making $25 million a year. And we clearly There's can see what you think the answer to this question is, but there is no doubt the answer is, is Lonzo for like uh, 900 reasons. Yes. Can I hear all 900? We don't have time. We've got to get to Patrick Beeline in about five minutes. Well, I think that you don't have time because you just only have one reason, and it's LeVar. That's not the only reason. I mean, I don't think there's... I think that there's pressure on Shohei Otani. I don't think there's that much because... Pitching, obviously, you're dependent on a lot of other things. Uh, you know, you're dependent on all of your other teammates. And I think the hitting thing, we just haven't seen it before. So we haven't, uh, it, or we haven't seen it in the last hundred years. So we have no idea what to expect. If the guy can actually go out there and pitch and hit, then you're amazed. And if he can't, okay, fine. He might still be a really good pitcher or a really good hitter. He's injured. He's not making much money. He's and not- he, can I finish? Yeah. And he plays for the Angels. Okay, he doesn't play for the Los Angeles Lakers with Magic Johnson sitting in the front row and LeVar sitting next to him, chirping in his ear the whole time. Didn't Magic say that Lonzo's going to have his number retired too? Like, wasn't Magic one of the ones who's like, you're going to be the next one to have your number on Magic like, compared him to himself. Right. And, uh, yes. Like, there's so much there more pressure There is so on much him. hype on him, Max, and it's not all his doing, but it is not just LeVar. There are a lot of reasons. Are there 900? Okay, maybe I exaggerated by a, a couple. Okay. Just Lonzo Ball is the answer. What else do you have for us? Just a few. Better NFL quarterback, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. Go. Ooh. You know what? I'm all in on Baker Mayfield. Can, can I? Well, okay. My son made this comparison. I have to give him credit for this. Have you seen Draft Day? No. Oh, I'm bringing up a movie. Nope. Of course. Of course, I Seth hasn't seen it. I haven't even seen it because I heard it was terrible. Yeah, uh, I heard it was awful. Okay, fine. Then then you get, this analogy is going to fly over your head. For our listeners, my son said that Baker Mayfield reminds him of Bo Callahan. And Bo Callahan was, he was supposed to be the number one draft pick, and you couldn't trust him. He was, he was sketchy. He was, he, you know, he, he did everything right on the field, but off the field, he, he had some issues. There were some question marks. Anyway, go watch the movie. You can d- decide whether or not. I heard it was terrible. You can decide. Not a great movie, but I mean, I, that was, again, my son brought it up. Is it I the thought Rocky it was a good analogy. Five of Kevin Costner's no, sports movies? It wasn't that bad. Rocky Five was atrocious. <laughs> Let's not get off topic here. I haven't here. seen Rocky um, Five yet. I'm just going on your word. So, my answer is, Max, I don't completely trust Baker Mayfield. Do you see, like, can you see him getting, like, Manziel disorder sort of thing? Not so much with the partying, no, but just. I, I saw Manziel coming, you know, yeah. nine miles away. I, I don't think it's that bad, but this guy. <sighs> He's he's messed up too many times for me, and and then the way he apologizes and he gets choked up, and it just seems like a big act. I'm suspicious of him. I, I'm not I'm not all in on on Baker Mayfield like Seth is. I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield. You uh, just want um, him to go to the Giants. That's I do. Plain and simple. I absolutely do. Maybe not with the second pick in the draft, but I want him to go to the Giants. All right, let's squeeze in one more. Which big three would you rather have: Brady, Cooks, and Gronk, or Ben, Ab, and Bell? Brady, Cooks, take, and Take Bronk, coaching out of Bronk. it. Don't let Belichick influence your decision. That's a tough one because <laughs> how much better is Brady than Big Ben is the question. Right. That's really what it comes down to, right? Because if you if you put Brady with Bell and Brown, they are 
doing easily the same thing, if not more. Or if you if put you a put different ben, quarterback. Even if, if you put Ben with the other two, what are they doing? Right. I think that's the real question here. Because if right. you put, How far is the gap between Brady and Big Ben? Right. I, I, I would tend to take the Steelers' big three. Gronk. Yeah. Is he? Gronk's I mean, if, if Gronk is healthy, he's he's hurt all the time. You're talking about this. You're talking about this Sunday. Which which three do Just I want? In general, all in healthy, general, all I would, healthy starting. I'll the take year. the Steelers. The, the Steelers yeah, three. I probably would too. They stay healthy more. Gronk feels like he's hurt a lot. Brandon Cooks has trouble getting disappeared open last at times. Week. Yeah, he got he disappeared last week. Uh, I, I don't want to say he's one a one catch. trick. I don't want to say he's a one trick pony, but he seems like a guy who just runs really fast and runs by you. Um, yeah, I'd probably end up with the the Steelers guys. That's expert analysis on football from Seth Thank Goldberg. You. Appreciate you checking in, Max. Uh, we got to run. We got to get to Patrick Beeline. Uh, the Lemoyne head coach joins us right after this. Keep it here.